Book of Acts, chapter 16. We're going to begin with verse 11. Acts chapter 16, begin with verse 11. Luke, the traveling companion of Paul, wrote the book of Acts. And hear what he has to tell us tonight. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us. who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl, Paul, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to the authorities. They brought him to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for, are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these folks that they're here, as Brother Ronnie said earlier, uh, just because they love you. So, Lord, bless us with your presence. Bless us with your Holy Spirit uh, teaching us your word. And, Father, help us not just to be hearers of the word, but help us to obey your word and do what you tell us to do. And, Father, we'll give you the praise and glory for it. In Christ's name, amen. When we look at the Acts, the book of Acts, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles, but it should really be entitled the Acts of the Holy Spirit because we see the Holy Spirit working in the early church. And we see a lot of different churches in the book of Acts. And the churches represent the different flavors of churches they had then and often the different types of personalities churches have today. If I looked at the Jerusalem church, it was Jewish in congregation, and it was very conservative, okay? And I think that uh, if we characterize the Jewish church, they were sold out to Jesus, all right? The Antioch church was Gentile, and it would be progressive, okay? Uh, they, they wanted to be salt and light to their community, and I, I think that... Uh, um, they would be characterized by that. They were the church where they were first called Christians. And they were the church that sent out the first missionaries in Paul and Barnabas. And then we come to the Philippi church. And the Philippi church would be called steadfast and warm-hearted. 
It, it was a church for everybody. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But really, if you'd characterize them, you would say they were dedicated to God. They were dedicated to God. And so, two or three things about that church and the way we should be as a church. Notice first, they were a changed people. And when I say changed, I mean they had been converted. They had had a faith relationship. They were saved. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, here's my translation of that verse. And I don't think I'm belittling it very much. You see, if, if, if you're not changed in your lifestyle, in your attitude, in your allegiance, then I doubt that you were saved. Okay, Because you can't come to Jesus and really experience Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and Savior, and be the same afterwards. You're either hard or you're better. Okay? You're either lost or you're saved. And when you're saved, it shows. And these folks showed it. But not only that, that, the manifestation of their salvation was very simple. These people were changed into witnesses. Now, how do I know that? As we begin to read this chapter about the Philippi church, we see all different stratas or levels of society being saved. We read about Lydia, the seller of purple from Thyatira, okay, being saved, and then her household and her were baptized. And that doesn't mean that they were baptized without being saved. It means she went and told her household they were saved, and the whole household got saved and baptized. She was the upper crust of society in Philippi. I know that because the sellers of purple, uh, especially from Thyatira, which is known for a purple dye and the fine wool they had, were uh, uh, merchants that made a lot of money. Okay, So she was the upper crust. She was the rich part of Philippi. We go on down and we see the very bottom of society, the slave girl. The demon-possessed slave girl who did uh, readings or palm readings or whatever you want to call it for her masters and earned money from the demon inside her who knew a little bit about the area and the people that she came into contact with. But she represents the very lowest part of society, and she was delivered from the demon and changed, and her masters through Paul and Silas in jail, or Paul and Barnabas. And, and if, you, if you read on, it talks about, starting in verse 25, about them being in, uh, Paul and Silas being in prison. And the Philippian jailer gets saved by their witness. And he represents the middle class of Philippian society, just a hardworking middle class guy. Three different people, all saved by the same Lord, by the same people, telling the gospel story to those they came into contact with. They truly were changed people, and it manifested in who they talked to. Not only that, but I think they were multiplying. You see Lydia being saved, her household being saved. You see the Philippian jailer and his household being saved. And these are just a few of those mentioned in Philippi that are being saved. The church was on fire for God, and God was moving in a mighty way in that church because they were a changed people. Too often, I think, we're sort of like the congregations, not the congregations, but the churches in Europe, and they were giving tours to some Americans, and, and they said, this is the most famous church in London, and he pointed out that's where the queen sits, that's where uh, the prime minister sits, that pulpit has more famous preachers preached there than anywhere else in the United States. All right, and so the lady being from the United States 
raised her hand and asked a question. Now, she was from Texas, okay? And she said, tell me, you talk about all these fine things. When was the last time someone was saved in here? And shouldn't that be the burning question for our church? When was the last time somebody was saved? That kind of question should drive us to our knees. That kind of question should loosen our lips. That kind of question should make us ask, are we a changed people that are changed into his witnesses? Because if we are, people are going to be saved. Not were they just a changed people. They were a chastised people. That begins when Paul and Silas witness or cast out the demon of this little slave girl, they were chastised. Now, what was the reason? It wasn't because they were evil. It wasn't because they were doing evil deeds. It was because they stood for God, okay? And they dedicated themselves to God. You see, they cast out and delivered this poor girl. Now, think about it. This poor slave girl is not just a slave at the bottom rung of society. She is inhabited by a demon. And in my mind's eye, that filthiness of being inhabited by a demon or taken over a possession by a demon means she was dirty, filthy, nasty. Okay, you probably didn't want to be around her. She's probably a little bit uh, wild, you know, and by that I mean didn't take a bath, didn't wash her hair. I mean, can you see that? A lot of times in Scripture when we see demon-possessed people, they're cutting themselves. And here's this poor creature, this poor human being, and Paul casts a demon out of her, and she is miraculously delivered by the power of God and you'd think that they would have celebrated that somebody was delivered from this type of a lifestyle but they didn't honor them they didn't give them a key to the city they didn't do a ticker tape parade what did they do they beat them in the open square okay and cast them into jail just for being Christian men and delivering somebody they had to suffer see they were a chastised people you see in uh, Brazil, they have a lot of quote-unquote festivals, and they have different booths where they sell things. And uh, one of the missionaries related the stories. He walked down that street and was looking. Uh, the sign in front of the booth drew him to it. And here's what the sign said, cheap crosses. And in America, I think too many people, not anybody here, but too many people who claim to be Christian are looking for cheap crosses. You realize there's nothing cheap about the cross. Jesus willingly gave his precious life's blood and life on the cross. He died for your sin and my sin. He suffered for us so that we could have eternal life. There's nothing cheap about it. And we need to realize that. And we need to decide either we're friends of the world or we're friends of God. That's what First John says. You can't be both. And so don't look for cheap crosses. Realize that Christianity always involves a measure of suffering, a measure of the world wanting to chastise us or ostracize us or persecute us or even punish us. And, and if you haven't realized it now, uh, they have marginalized Christianity. But if they have their way, they're going to criminalize Christianity. They don't like our message, even here in the United States. And if we're not careful, they'll take away our rights to worship as we see fit. So oh, it won't happen in my life. Don't you bet on it. Okay. They, they, they've tried every way they can to get it done, and it just hadn't been done yet. So you better pay attention and be praying for our nation. Amen. Some of y'all could have been a little more uh, enthusiastic about that. So <clears throat> we see that they were a changed people, a chastised people, but they were a celebrating people. Verse 25 talks about that. Look at it with me. 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now listen to me. They're in the stocks in the middle of the prison. Maximum security. And they've been beaten. So they're bloody. They're bruised. Their feet are in stocks in the middle of the prison. And they're singing praises to God. The prisoners were listening to them. What a witness. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You see, in a Roman prison, you were responsible for the prisoners with your life. Rather than suffer at the hands of his superiors, he was going to go ahead and take his life. It says, but Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself. We are all here. He called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him. He took them in that same hour of the night, washed their stripes, immediately hauled his he and all his family were baptized. When he brought them out to his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. What an amazing thing. What an exciting story. They were celebrating. Now, the what is, what are they doing? See, they were so dedicated to Christ that even in the midst of suffering, they were celebrating. Think about how humiliating it was because they took them to the town square. They stripped their shirts off of them. They beat them. They drugged them to prison. They charged the the jailer, don't let these guys go. He puts them in maximum security in the middle of the jail. And only that, he puts their feet in, in those stocks which locked around your ankles where they couldn't move, where it was uncomfortable. And what are they doing? They're celebrating Jesus, Lord, singing praises to him. Whoa. What a testimony. And the prisoners are listening. And then, where are they at? In the maximum security part. They're celebrating. You see, when suffering comes, when trials and tribulations come, chastisement, you know, when you're ostracized, that means nobody was having to do with you, we can, we can whimper or we can witness. We can sulk or we can sing. We can snivel or we can shout. We get to choose. E. Stanley Jones was a famous Methodist missionary. And he said one resolve he had in his Christian life became the principal driving force for his ministry. And here's what it was. He wouldn't just bear opposition, but he would learn from those difficulties and sing in the face of, of suffering. I don't know about you, but singing in the midst of suffering is something that's often hard to do. But when we're a celebrating people, realizing what God has given to us, where we have nothing except what he has given to us, we are nothing without him, then it changes our attitudes. When we realize the king of glory left all of heaven's splendor, walked this earth, died on the cross for our sins, not his own, and rose the third day and is coming back for us, this is not home, it changes or should change our attitudes. So they were a changed people, a chastised people, a celebrating people, and they were a contributing people. What am I contributing? You see, they had charity. You see, they gave whatever they had. They saw people in need and they gave Jesus. 
Uh, they witnessed. They, they gave the most important thing in their lives. You, you realize that before God wants our money, He wants our hearts. Before He wants our money, He wants our minds and our tongues to give praise to Him. We need to understand that. What was the consequence? The jailer and his household are saved. Okay? In the midst of that suffering, they're saved. Paul Bell was one of our home missionaries in Texas, and he was witnessing to some Mexicans. And one guy was in his 60s. And after he was saved, he said, I can't read and I can't write. I want you to teach me that John 3.16 you preached about. And I want you to teach me one verse of that hymn. He said, okay, but why? He said, you just teach me. So the next few days, he taught him John 3.16 until he could recite it on his own. And he taught him the, the, that one verse of that hymn. Uh, you know. <clears throat> and then he left and he said, well, you need to be baptized. He said, I'll be back. Two weeks passed, four weeks passed, six weeks passed, and then the guy came back. We brought with him six other men who all came forward at the service and said, we've been saved and want to be baptized. And so Paul Bell baptized all seven of them. Bell went on to share that the guy that was in his 60s only lived two more years before he died. But in that time, he led over 50 men to the Lord with one verse and one stanza of a song. Now, that's contributing to other people's lives. And we can do the same thing. The final thing is this. In verses 33 through 40, we see there are consecrated people. Okay? Now, what do I mean by consecration? It, it, it says this. It says in verse 33, He took the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, immediately he and his family were baptized. He brought them into the house, set food before him. He rejoiced having believed in his household. And then in verse 35, I thought it was rather funny. When it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. Everybody's happy, in other words. But notice Paul's answer. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now they put us out secretly. No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed from that place. You see, they were consecrated. We think that consecrated uh, means something different than I think it means. You see, the compliance was this. They weren't going to just uh, be set aside. They were going to witness for Christ, and, and they were going to do what they had to do before they left. And you see, it's not consecrated just didn't mean set aside. It means set aside for God's use. See, God didn't just save you to set you down. He saved you to set you to work. Now, now did you hear that? You know, I had some folks in one of my churches said, well, that's your job. Well, in the book of Ephesians, it says my job is to preach the word and to equip the brethren for the work of ministry. Did you catch that? To equip the brethren for the work of ministry. That's why I'm proud of our church, Brother Ronnie. There's so many people that do so many things to ensure the ministry carries on. Okay. And uh, that's for all of us. To be consecrated for the use of God. And the jailer gets saved and he starts conforming and serving. He binds their wounds. He feeds them. He rejoices. You see, 
George Bernard Shaw once said this, Beware of those whose God is in heaven. Now, here's what he meant by that. If your God doesn't make a difference in the way you live, you don't really know God. Because, yes, our God is in heaven, but we represent him here on earth. And we're supposed to live like that. And so, my question is this. As a people, are we changed? Are we chastised? Are we celebrating? Are we contributing? And are we consecrated? If we are, then we're doing the things that God wanted us to be and to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Some might need to come today and say, you know, I hadn't been celebrating. I've been suffering a lot. And our church has suffered an awful lot here lately. In the midst of suffering, it's hard to praise God. Paul and Silas set such an example. It, it, it ashamed me when I was studying this passage. And maybe you just need to come privately and say, Lord, help me to praise you even in this suffering. Some need to come and rededicate their hearts and lives to Jesus because uh, you haven't witnessed as you're supposed to witness. And God has been convicting you of that and you need to witness and tell others about your Savior. Some might need to come and ask God to take the burden off your heart so that you can sing praises the way you're supposed to sing. Okay? Others might need to be saved or join the church. I don't know, but God knows. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and you come as God would have you to come. Father God, we thank you for this time. We ask that Jesus would be lifted up. We ask to be obedient to what you'd have us to do tonight. In Christ's name, amen.